Okay, I've asked uh, Lucy and Mary to share their testimony briefly. I'd also asked Ethan this morning, but uh, he's gone out to help with the kids because someone was unwell, and so we'll hear from him later. So Lucy and Mary, if you'd come. And Lucy, if, oh, we're going to start with you. Come on up here. told me a minute. Um, hi, I'm Lucy, if I haven't met you yet. Um, and yeah, I'm going to share my testimony. It's simple <laughs> and sweet. Uh, I was raised in a Christian home and I grew up listening to uh, Bible stories, uh, watching my parents go to church and uh, I was yeah, surrounded with the knowledge of God. And I always knew, I just always knew, yeah, God's definitely real. And um, that was always a big part of my life. But I actually remember being really little and knowing that even though I knew God was real, I knew that he wasn't mine yet. And I knew that he wasn't um, yeah, a part of my life yet. And I really wanted that. And I couldn't figure out how to get that. Um, so my mum and dad will tell you that I gave my life to Christ uh, many times and then just forgot. So I had to redo it. But the one that I remember that actually stuck was when I was seven and I was playing Uno you know, with my grandfather. And I knew that he was a great Christian. He was a great guy, always praying, always filled with the Spirit. So I said, Grampy, how do I, how do I get God? How do I get Jesus in my life? And he gave me the simple prayer. And he said, well, you acknowledge that he is king. You ask him to forgive your sins. And uh, you ask him to come and live with you. And so I did that. And we continued playing You Know. And um, I was always a little bit embarrassed. That was such a simple testimony, but I'm learning to just own that. It's just as simple as it got for me. And um, yeah, it was just always knowing that I didn't quite have God even from a young age. And from that point on, I knew that he was mine and I knew that he was in me. And I've learned lots of different things along the way to back up that decision and um, to confirm that decision or to grow in that decision. And that's my testimony. Cool. Thank you all. Thank you. <laughs> um, we, sung that, we sung that song this morning that starts, I called, you answered, and you came to my rescue. And it just wants, I feel like weeping when I hear it because I think that's what happened to me. Even though I was raised in a, a Christian home, it was more of a religious home. You know, we went to church every week, but... I don't remember actually having any sort of relationship with God, and I had a longing for him. And then when I turned about 13, I think, I started having a lot of questions, and they were quite deep questions for a 13-year-old, and I wasn't getting the answers that satisfied me. And one of my questions was, surely there's many ways to God. If he's a big God, why, why aren't there many paths to him? And I began... Um, my brother started giving me books on Eastern religions. And so I did a lot of reading on lots of different things, the science of soul travel and on <laughs> Hinduism and all kinds of things. And um, I, at the same time, I felt this longing for more, but I didn't know what the more really was. And so I went through probably three years of of exploring, but it was as if the hand of God was protecting me from getting too involved in any of those things. And uh, when I was 16, I came to a point where I just felt this longing and urgency that I had to know God and know if he was real. 
And I went up to my room. There was kind of a loneliness and maybe a depression that was going on with that. I went to my room, and I knelt down, and I said, God, if you are real, I need to know how to find you. And I had my children's Bible on the bookshelf, and I pulled it off and just flipped it open. And it landed on John, my eyes fell on John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And with those words came the presence of God. I knew that I knew that Jesus was the only way to God. And I think that's the beginning of me becoming a follower of Jesus. I actually didn't know, I didn't have any concept of what sin was. Um, I don't know why that was, going to church every week and had no concept of sin. <laughs> Maybe because it was a Presbyterian church that didn't preach much about it. But um, it was probably a year or two later I went to a Nikki Cruz um, evangelistic thing happening in our city. And that's the first time I really heard the gospel preached and I suddenly realized, um, maybe there's more to this than I realized. And that began this awareness of my own sin and that I needed Jesus as Savior. So for me, it was a process, you know, of having my eyes opened. Um, that hunger for God was satisfied by Jesus, but the whole issue of sin um, was dealt with actually a bit more gradually, because it really when we went away with Youth with a Mission several years later, I really had a revelation of my own sin and how that created a separation between and God and what Jesus actually did for me. So that's it in brief. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks, Lucy. Take a moment. Think about how you came to know Jesus. One of the things I appreciate in both of these is that there was a point where in asking God and humbling themselves, Lucy said it very clearly, I knew that Jesus was in me. She knew, Mary knew the presence of God. There's something supernatural. Turn, turn with me in your Bible, Acts chapter 16. Holy Spirit, do what you do. Amen. Acts chapter 16 from verse 6. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia. I'm sure glad those names don't still exist. But the Spirit did not permit them. Passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called him to preach the gospel to them. And he goes and he ends up in Philippi, jump forward to verse 16. Now it happened as he went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us 
who brought her masters much fortune, much profit by fortune-telling. The girl followed Paul and us and cried out. This is Luke, obviously, who's the writer of, of uh, Acts by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Sounds like pretty much the truth. But it must have been done in some sort of mocking way, because uh, this she did many days, but Paul was greatly annoyed. Turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrate and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to observe, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them secretly. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Does not sound like a nice place. And at midnight, Paul and Silas were whinging and complaining and, and telling God how unfair it was. Oh, no, that's not what it says. They were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. You ever thought about how could they actually pray and worship while they were in prison? It seems to me it would be a whole lot easier to complain. I think I've done much of that in my life. To point out to God the injustice. God, this is not right. They've been unjustly accused. I think that's what I would be doing. Or if not complaining, questioning the leading of God. Was that vision really of God to go to Macedonia? Did he really call us? Wait, this doesn't meet my expectations. I don't think I signed up for this. You called me to go into Macedonia and preach the gospel, and I end up in jail. See, Paul had already experienced conflict. If you look back to Acts 14, from verse 19, if you read Acts 14, you see that wonderful things. Man, the people are so amazed at the signs and wonders that they're actually uh, thinking that these guys are maybe something uh, supernatural. Uh, maybe they're gods. But then just within a few verses, verse 19, then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went to the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. He goes from there, and eventually he, en he ends up getting this Macedonian call. How many of you would have quit when you got stoned? 
most of us. Wait, wait, wait. But he goes on for more. And then he ends up being beaten with rods and thrown into jail. How many of you have been beaten with rods and thrown into jail for Jesus' name? Yet they were worshiping. How could they? Rather than speculate, let's see what else the Bible says. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. Verse 15, Peter writing toward the end of his life, understanding the situation is that there's a lot of persecution that that Christians are facing. And Peter says this, but sanctify or set apart as holy the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. A reason for the hope that is in you. What is the hope that is in you? Is it an expectation that circumstances will change? Is it a hope for an eternal destiny? Even though I'm in jail, When I die, I'm going to be with Jesus. Could be all those, but possibly could it be something else? Over in Colossians. Chapter 1, verse 27. Again, the Holy Spirit's the author, but this is the same Paul who was in jail. And he writes this, to them, talking about the uh, saints, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Christ in you. The hope of glory. So I was preparing this this week over and over again. This just kept ringing in my heart. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Christ in you. His presence with us and in us is our hope. It's not just an expectation of something in the next life. It's not just a hope that circumstances will change. But in the midst of being in jail, Christ is in us. Christ in us. I'm going to come back to that in a little bit. But I want you to see this because not only is this our hope, but it's also our message and our ministry. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 from verse 18 says, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus and given us the ministry of reconciliation. Doesn't just mean that we reconcile people together. He's talking about being reconciled to God. 
That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing or accounting their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. The message we have for everyone we meet is that you can be reconciled to God. You can be restored to relationship. And there's something that happens with that. Something supernatural. John chapter 14, verse 23, Jesus says this. Jesus answered and said to them, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Make our dwelling with him. Christ in you. Something happens when you come to Jesus. It's not just an abstract belief. It's something of recognizing who he is and he comes and resides in us. That's pretty amazing. Think about it for a second. Christ in us. That's why we have hope. That's why we can worship in difficult circumstances. He's with us through the storm. He's with us in the midst of the fire. If you like him back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he's there, Christ in us. See, when we come to him, we repent from sin, which is actually rebellion against God, against his rulership in our life. But that's not the goal. God didn't say, let's get rid of all the rebellion on the planet. When we come to him, our sin is removed and we become righteous. But that's not the goal. God wasn't looking for a whole bunch of righteous people running around. When we come to him, we're forgiven and made new. But that's not the goal. When we submit, when we come to him, we submit to his lordship and his rulership, but that's still not the goal. The goal is that we are reconciled to him. We come back into relationship with God. And in that, he lives in us. Christ in you, the hope of glory, both now and eternally. Too often we just think of the eternity part. But it's Christ in us now. How can we worship 
in the midst of being in jail in the stocks because Christ is in us. There's a whole lot of ramifications when we understand Christ in us. I want to live holy because Christ in me is holy. I don't want to live holy so that Christ will accept me, but the Christ in me is holy. So I want to live a holy life. The Christ in you is a healer. So you can pray for people who are sick. Can you heal people? No, but Christ in you is still the healer. We'll talk about a whole lot more of these later on. But I want to focus on one ramification of Christ in you this morning. All that was getting us to this point. And that is, we are ambassadors. That's what was written in 2 Corinthians. Now we are ambassadors for Christ. Let me say this. If Christ's in you, you're an ambassador for Christ. You're not an ambassador for this church. You're not an ambassador for a theological position. You're not an ambassador for a person. You're an ambassador for Christ. If he lives in you. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. What's the message of hope that is within us? We've been reconciled to God. What makes us different? That we're better? That we're holy? That we, we walk, we don't do the things the world does? You can see how different I am. Now, what makes us different is that Christ is in us. What's the reason for the hope that, was, that is within you is that that hope is Christ in you. And everyone can be reconciled to God. There's a whole lot of parts to that. Why do we need to be reconciled to God? Because we've been separated by sin. Sin is rebellion. But you know what? People don't always have to know about sin before they get reconciled to God, if they have a hunger for him. As Mary experienced, he'll show us later. It's his spirit who convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment. There isn't a methodology that says you've got to jump through all these hoops. You've got to get reconciled to God. Let me tell you, if you're proud, he's going to make sure that you actually are humbled because humility is part of the process. He gives grace to the humble. But if you're already humble, if your life is a mess and you're falling apart, he's not going to say, oh, well, let's tick this box and make sure they're humbled. He knows. He's going to provide hope. 
I'm getting sidetracked here. We have the incredible privilege because Christ is in us to be ambassadors. I'm laughing because, uh, not because of that, but this week Mary was listening to last week's sermon and she had it on a speaker and I was, I almost never listened to myself. And I did and I realized that when I'm serious and talking slow, my voice is nice and low. <laughs> but as I get excited, my voice gets higher and higher and I get really high. <laughs> and, I, and I determined, okay, I'm going to speak slow and low today. It didn't work. What a privilege that we're ambassadors. You don't have to convince people of something. The Bible says that you'll, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you'll be endued with power and you'll be witnesses. I was raised in an uh, evangelical church and our approach was that we weren't witnesses. Our approach was much more that we were uh, lawyers. And so we had to have, you know that they say of a lawyer, you never ask a question you don't already know the answer to. Okay, you're trying to win a case. But the problem is that we would spend all of our time preparing for answers that someone might ask. You know what? They almost never did. But we would think of another one. What is a witness? A witness simply just says what they've seen or experienced. They don't have to have all the answers. You don't have, have to have all the answers for someone. If you've got Christ in you, you've seen an experience that you've been reconciled to God. That's the message. Isn't it simple? Yeah, maybe as you face people and they ask questions, you say, ah, let, me, let me look that up. Let me go talk to someone. But our approach was that we had to have all the answers before we got started. And you know what happened? In the church I was part of, nobody ever got started. We were studying world religions. We were studying philosophy. We were studying apologetics. We had answers for stuff that we were studying uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, and we were studying cults, and man, we had every answer that anyone could ever ask, but we never got to where people were asking questions. So I want you to be free from all that and settle in that you're an ambassador. You represent a different kingdom. But the reality is that you've got Christ in you. It's not like, what does the king say? You know, our concept of ambassador, especially if you go back 100 years, is an ambas ambassador representing another kingdom. So the ambassador from France was, resides in the U.S., but they didn't have all the high-tech stuff we have to communicate. So the ambassador, the, the government would say something, he'd have to write a letter or take a trip to go find out what his government wanted to do, and then he'd come back. Otherwise, he was just making it up on the fly, and he had absolutely no authority. 
Now, everything's instant. But all that does is reflect the fact that Christ is in you. The hope of glory. I have no idea how to finish this today. <laughs> I'm being honest with you, because I've got uh, weeks that we're going to go forward with this. I'm going to ask you if you just would bow your head for a moment. I don't want you distracted by anyone else. I also don't want you looking at me because I have no idea where we're going right now. Can I implore you be reconciled to God? Can I ask you is Christ in you? Or do you have a belief in God out there somewhere? Do you have a belief in Jesus as a historical figure or a teacher? But the question is, is Christ in you? If he isn't, and you would know, he can be. He simply says, come to me. Humble yourself. Whether you pray a prayer that someone tells you, whether you get down on your knees and cry out, God, show me how to find you, there isn't a methodology because Jesus is pursuing you more than you're pursuing him. So if you haven't, do it right now. Say, Lord, I want you in me. I want to follow you. I submit to your rulership in my life. I turn from my own rebellion and I turn to you. For the rest of us, and I, the majority of us have already done that, I believe God's just wanting to say, I call you by name. That was the word earlier. I know you. I call you to intimacy with me because you're my ambassador. You don't have to answer all the questions. The reason for the hope that is within you is that Christ is in you and you've been reconciled to God. And people can be. I believe we're in a season where there's a stirring of the spirit in our city that there's a blowing of the wind of God, that people are becoming more open. Their eyes are being opened. People are having that hunger that Lucy talked about. How do I find God? They might not even know what they're looking for, but they know that they need something. The things that they've hoped in or trusted in are crumbling, falling around them, and they're looking for something. And Jesus is saying, I'm in you, but you're my ambassador.
If you haven't received that call, would you just simply say, as Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. Yes, Jesus, you're in me. I'm your ambassador. Lord, as a church, we simply say, here am I. Send me. As God shows you the things that have been obstacles to that, just respond to them. If he's shown you that you've got your focus somewhere else, just respond to him. Not with condemnation, but just get your focus right. If he's shown you that you have fear, we sang it earlier, you're no longer a slave to fear. Just say, God, I surrender that to you right now. I'm your ambassador. Here am I, send me. Doesn't mean he's going to send you to another nation, though it might. But just be open to the people around about you that he's pursuing. We're going to talk about more of how this works in the weeks ahead. But fix this thing in your thinking today. Christ in me. The hope of glory. Christ in me. Say it to yourself, Christ is in me. Christ in me. Lord, show us what that means. Help us to understand so we can work with you. You're in us, and we delight in you. Would you stand? We're not too late, so I'm going to get the worship team to come back, and we're going to close with something. They'll, they'll figure something out. We have the, the most wonderful worship people because they're very flexible. I don't, can't tell you how many times I do something like this where I have no idea, and I just say, guys, do something. And they do. And it's very anointed. So let's just... Uh, I guess what I want to do is, as we finish, just make sure our focus is on Jesus. Christ in us. Too often, when we talk about Christ in us, our focus gets on the us part. Christ in us. How can Christ be in me? Oh, well, I've got this problem and this, and look at that, and, and, and this isn't, isn't pure, and this and that. No, it's the focus is on Jesus. He's greater. 